everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yep, this week we watched episodes 13 and 14 of Love and Contract. We're almost done! We're almost done! We have one more week and then a bonus episode of this drama, and I'm interested to see how they end it out based on these last two episodes. It feels kind of done. Um... Pretty much only one character's storyline feels not super done, and that's just Kong Hae-jin, because I guess he's decided to, like, not be his own person, even though literally everyone in his life is like, what if he just took this time to, like, do you, boo? And he's like, no, I think this is time for my spinoff series. I think this is my <laughs> show now. Starting a new life this late in the game. Good for me, huh? It's like, we can tell what you're doing. You're doing some, like, bullshit self-sacrificing that no one asks you to do. And doesn't really make sense. I don't Mm -mm. think, maybe I'm a big dumb dummy, but I don't think they've spelled it out quite enough for me to be like, I get it, he's a big hero now, and I'm so proud of him. Both these these fools, Kong Hae Jin and Chae Sung Eun, are just people who will sacrifice themselves for the people that they love. I think they've told us that a lot of times, but I don't mm-hmm. really get it. I don't know what's happening with him. Yeah, I also... I. I get to the extent of what I think he is doing, or I guess, like, I can't even tell you what the solid plan is, because that has definitely not been made clear. I just think it has something to do with him making sure that, I think he's trying to take down either the Ina group or his own family's company in a way that makes it so they can't mess with uh, Choice Sung-un anymore. Okay. He's playing more of a long con? Yeah. Like, that's why he wanted the big boy role at the company when his dad was like, what do you want? Like a, like a, like a assistant? You want to like get people coffee or something? Or what do you want to do, son? And he said, come on, dad, let's lean into this nepotism. I want, see, I want to be the CEO. I want your job. I want your job, papa. Papa's (laughs) like, that's my boy. That's my only son that I've ever had. Which... (laughs) Is another story that I don't get. I, oh, a little bit this family dynamic is confusing. But that makes sense. He's, like, trying to take down the family. And at least trying to get enough power that he, his brother can't do anything. But it seemed like his brother was moving on the, like, not company front. He was very much on the, like, personal side. Being like, I want Chae Sung-un to be my wife for this contract thing. It's messy. Every villain started unraveling their plot at the same time, and I kind of lost track as to what was going on and who was trying to do what. Yeah, and who even cares about their own plans anymore, because it (laughs) looks like Madame Yu did just give up her plan, because we just heel-turned really hard, where she was like, oh, all of a sudden the stakes got raised because the situation is very dangerous and I forgot that I'm messing with dangerous people and involving apparently, okay, we've got to come back to this because I have some thoughts, but I'll try not to cut off my sentence and then never revisit it. Um, But her actual biological daughter that is now- We will come back to that for sure. Put a pin in that (laughs) because we both have a rant there. (laughs) Um... And yeah, like, now she's, all of a sudden it's hitting home 
that she put her daughter in an indescribably dangerous situation by trying to force her to be involved with powerful, corrupt families of very wealthy companies where it's like, huh, everyone says you're a smart person, but this was pretty dumb. This was pretty dumb to to think that this was a good idea at any point in time. <laughs> at any point in time, you must have been pretty delusional to say, I want my daughter involved in corporate politics. But she also hasn't really stopped. It felt like we were starting to get that realization but then one of the last scenes that we saw her in was going to the CEO of Vina Group and, like, laughing in his face. And I thought that was very, like, risky um, yeah. for him to be like, we're going to kill you and your daughter. And her be like, ha, 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 you think you can kill me? And it's like, bro, I thought we were trying something different now. I thought the plan had changed. But the plan is still to go provoke this person who's trying to actively kill you. Okay, it's fine. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Jung Ji Ho pretty straightforward said, hey, what if you guys just trusted me to handle this? Because we're finally literally playing my game, which is the legal system. I can resolve this. And she said, great. I'm going to go poke the bear, though. Just one more. <laughs> it's just fun. I can't. It's been it decades now. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. Please stop, though. It's Please. Okay, yeah. Between her back and forth with am I a mother or am I this, I don't know, political character who's trying to make something happen. I genuinely have lost track of what her goal is besides to get herself killed because that seems like all that she's trying to do at this point. She keeps being like, this is all for Jamie. You have to compensate Jamie. And I'm like, Jamie doesn't want anything. Just leave everybody alone. Everybody leave each other alone. And I think Chae Sung-un will be happy. That's it. Yeah. yeah. What if everyone got out of each other's lives in the overstepping kind of way and just stuck with the people that weren't actively trying to hurt them? And then from there, you can kind of decide how involved you want to be. But like... <laughs> Uh, it's just really, it's just a lot. And, and so there was her villain plot that just kind of puttered out, but now she's just, again, more of an agitation, which is kind of how she started. Uh, and I guess kind of how she's been. Like, she's never really been a villain so much as a constant agitator. Like, she just <laughs> constantly says, how can I make this whole situation more indescribably dangerous? <laughs> yeah. And congrats, you're always doing it. Yeah, you're so good at that job, Madam Yu. And then um, we also have Jung Ji Hyun, who was sort of in... Uh, sh she was stepping in to be a problem and then immediately stepped down all of a sudden. Just all, It felt like very out of nowhere, where I'm glad, again, it's for the best. She didn't need to be a problem. She was choosing to be a problem. <laughs> uh, it didn't serve anyone especially her. And it was always really weird because it was like, uh, I will find a way to make my ex-husband love me kind of way. And that didn't make any sense because you were the one who imploded that relationship. You can't really just decide to like be better like 15 years later <laughs> or yeah, whatever. It was like I eight think years. That was my frustration, which I feel like the con her like turnaround was prompted by her being like, 
I've been so involved with Kang Hee Jin and Jung Ji Ho for the past few weeks or months or however long it's been that I have seen who Che Sun Moon is and kind of why they love her and want to protect her. And like I said, they told us more than they showed us. Her being like, oh, Che Sun Moon is actually a dope person and I kind of like her and I'm not going to make my life's mission to destroy her. And in that way, I was like, cool. I like that you're off the villain track. You're you're ready to be normal now. But at the same time, I think her return was never prompted by her ex getting together with another woman. It was always prompted by her being like, I'm at the bottom of my life right now. I am at like I am at my low point. And I realized that maybe one of my biggest mistakes was leaving my husband and being so cruel to him. So maybe if I get him back and I get this job, everything will start going well for me again. Like, that was my impression, at least, of her her logic there. And that never really changed. It never felt like she had that realization of, like, actually, I can do this on my own. My job is going well. And I will find somebody else someday, and my life will not be controlled by Jung Ji Ho and my relationship with him. It feels like that's that's what it started at, and that was not the like the conclusion for her. So it felt off. It was very like, what are we, what is her logic? What is her thinking throughout this whole show? And it was never consistent, and that's what was weird about it. But it's fine, because she's just like a tertiary character now who's running around bringing plants to Kong Hae-jin and being like, we're bros, right? And he's like, you literally (laughs) still work for me, but sure, I guess we're bros. I don't get that relationship, but I'm glad she has a friend. Yeah, and that she's kind of cooled off, even though it didn't make sense that she did just suddenly... Uh, Yeah, yeah, because like you said, there was a way to explain that where she was like, oh, because her realization was just like, oh, Choi Sung-un isn't so bad. But that feels like a bad, like, I'm glad, but also like, I think it would have been more interesting to see it more tied to her her original motivations where she's like, oh, wait, actually, like, uh, the way that I was unhappy is the way I'm trying to make my ex-husband unhappy. And that's still an unhappy situation. So what if I did something else instead? Um, but yeah, yeah. So like, she's not really a villain, but now we have like the, in two, these two episodes, Kong Heijun's brother stepped up as a villain, sort of laid out his plan and everyone just kind of laughed in his face about it. Everyone said, (laughs) okay, bro. Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. I think the only one who didn't immediately laugh it off was Chae Sung-un. Which felt, Mm -hmm. I feel unsettled about that scene that he was like, we're going to be in a contract marriage and it'll solve everything. And she was like, no, it won't. That doesn't make any sense. And he was like, yeah, we will. And then they just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. And then he was like, think about it. (laughs) She was like, uh. And then she went and told everyone and everyone was like, all right. Yeah. And what (laughs) is that? Am I the only one who's like, this dude is unhinged. Like, what's he going to do next? And maybe also having Kang Hae-jin sacrifice himself so much in a very unclear manner. It's just those three people are putting me on edge. The older brother and Kang Hae-jin and Chae Sung-un not being clear about what their plans are and who's protecting whom from what. It's all just like, you're supposed to be nervous. 
And I'm like, I am, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand the plot. I just understand that some people feel some way and it's not all good. So. Yeah. <laughs> I can see Kong Hae Jin making himself miserable to protect Che Sung Hoon, but I don't know why. I don't know yeah. what's happening. I don't see how it's protecting her, but it seems to be working, in his mind at least, but he's not happy. Yeah, and then I guess he also didn't laugh it off when his brother was like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. But that was just like a dumb move on his brother's part, because it almost feels like Kong Hae-jin had no interest or intention of taking over, over the family business until his brother stepped in and was like... I'm gonna fuck shit up for you and <laughs> Choi Sung-in. Kage-chan was like, why would you do that? I don't think you should do that. But like very yeah. seriously. I said it not seriously. He said it very seriously. With his fist in the air. <laughs> All of this is messy. It's It's one of those dramas that I'm almost embarrassed to be watching. It feels really mean to say. I was thinking this morning that I feel like when I tell people that I watch Korean dramas sometimes, I think their guess would be that this is the kind of drama that I watch and enjoy. That, they're, that another normal person would be like, this is really messy and convoluted and kind of doesn't make sense. And I'd be like, this isn't my kind of like preference. Okay, I just want everybody to know. I did yeah. not I did not choose this. It's yeah. good, but it's not representative of K-dramas, please. Right. Yeah, because I think that in a lot of ways, through the first half of it, it really served its purpose as... A rom-com following some tropes that I got a lot of enjoyment out of, but when it started to try to do complicated storylines, it just feels like none of the complicated storylines are hitting the mark, and I wish that it had just done maybe some of the more tropey storylines extremely well. Instead of trying to be like, ah, intrigue, but no one knows what the intrigue is, but it's there. Trust us. Because <laughs> um, every time they've tried to do any amount of intrigue, it's been a little bit like, uh, okay, like, why is the murder plot here and then gone? Why is the corporate, um, like, shenanigans here and then gone? And then th there's been so many times they've tried to thicken the plot and then they've either dropped it or they've used it to just like slightly raise the stakes on the tropey plot and then still dropped it where we still have less than zero resolution on the fact that she had an actual stalker that <laughs> stalked her and had a murder wall devoted to her face and got caught and like charges are being pressed but also he made it very clear that he wasn't going to stop and his sister seemed like the only person who could play intermediary there but instead they used her to raise the stakes on revealing Choi Sung-un's identity and career choices and so it it's weird the way they're using intrigue to raise all of the stakes all the time on stuff that doesn't feel... It's like they're trying to use real things to make the tropes better, and instead it's just 
it's just wild. It's just absolute, like, nonsense what's happening at all points in time, where instead they could have either done the tropey stuff really well, or they could have done, like, some more classic intrigue stuff really well, but instead they're, like, combining them badly. Yeah, constantly. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is unfair to say, I wonder if this would have worked better if it were set further in the past, like in the 80s or 90s even, if some of the stuff would have been like, yeah, you've got a stalker, but <laughs> this is terrible, but the police are ignoring it. Like, the <laughs> yeah. nobody cares. And that's kind of a storyline in itself is like the the corruption of or the lack of protection for women in this timeline is a story in itself and that's why we're ignoring the stalker yeah but the cops like straight up said they cared and they were going to keep looking into this and then they nothing has come of it and i maybe we're just supposed to assume that they resolved that but well, it's gonna come back because yeah, there have been we have two episodes that they resolved that I didn't think they were going to at this point. One being the manager and Wu Guang Nam, like that that mm. moment, that spark when they first met, where the manager was like, "I'm in love with that man," and we were like, "This is gonna be a romance," and then he was like, "I'm just in love with him as a star." And I felt like the end of that arc was them offering a job to Wu Guangnam as a star. And the arc made sense. It wasn't mm-hmm. one that I liked. We we told you many times, listeners, what we wanted from that storyline. It's very clear now we're not going to get a romance. Because they're cowards. Because <laughs> they're absolute cowards. <laughs> absolute fucking cowards. But we did get a finale to the arc that was like, oh, okay, so you had a plan. And you made it come together. And it wasn't a plan that I like or support, but at least I see the end of the rainbow. The, this seed that you planted way back a few episodes ago has been sown. And that's good. That feels good in a way. Yeah. Even the, the weird convoluted arc, which was um, Madam Yu picking up an orphan from an orphanage and just oh being my like... God. Here's a child. Now they're like, here's the end of that arc. Actually, it was her child. And it's not good. It's not a good arc. None of us wanted it. It reminded me so much of her private life. <laughs> it did, yes. Where all of a sudden there's just like this storyline where we're like, no one needed or asked for the, the I like I am about to be maybe as mean and, like, divisive as I've ever been on the podcast. I'm right behind you. I think think that that is fucking garbage storytelling to say that it's her actual mom. It's not good. It's It's bad bad. writing. It's It's not a fun twist. It's not interesting. It's it's lazy as fuck. It's lazy and it's just dumb. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to shit on this more. Because I, yeah. I want to get the point across that we're disappointed. Yeah. It's really just, bad. That is so... I couldn't... Yes, disappointed, d- deeply disappointed is a very good way to put it. Just very deeply disappointed in that storyline. I don't understand it. When they said it, it wasn't a big reveal. It was just... All I could think is, what? And no. At the same yeah, time. No. 
What are you doing? <laughs> like, maybe we should explain. Maybe there are people out there who are like, what do you mean? I really liked it. Or I thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I know how to ex- like articulate why I hate it so badly. Other than it just is, it's not necessary and it's dumb. Um, and I guess that's our opinion. I guess like... We're pretty good at walking the line of understanding that this podcast is our opinion, but our opinion is not the only one. And maybe I'm not leaving enough space for that. Because like you said, yeah, maybe someone is listening and they're like, no, that was really interesting. And that like, I don't want to be insulting to them. So I think you're right that we should give more context to why it's so bad. I just like, I don't know if I even know how to say it's just like a visceral feeling in my heart. Do you know like how to articulate it i think i'll try my best and then i know that you'll come in and make what the jumble that i say make sense but the (laughs) way that i was feeling about it was that the writing made it seem as if the love that yumiho had for chaesung-un was invalid unless she was her biological mother and that doesn't make sense I thought Mm -hmm. it was so interesting to have this person who adopted a child and then was forced to raise her as part of her career, that Yumiho is this fascinating character in herself of this career-chasing woman who was forced by a CEO, by her boss, to go abroad and raise this child for him, and like... That's dark. That's fascinating. That's interesting. And she forms this relationship with this child where she's like, I can't love you because that's that's not in my job description. I'm not allowed. I can't be your mother after 13 years. So I don't want to get attached. But she still does. She still feels this love for this child whom she raised for so many years. And that was good enough for me. And so to bring in the biological aspect feels like it invalidates an adoptive mother's love. It feels like this drama saying adoptive love is not real. Um, Biological is where it's at. Which absolutely feels like a really weird theme that has been explored by a lot of K-dramas that we've watched in the past, where like... But some have explored it very thoroughly, and others have kept it just, like, extremely baseline, like, um, like, straightforward, like, even if the opinion they had was, like, problematic. But this was, like, all implication as well that, like... Because I think that there's a couple... So, obviously, like, the most recent drama we watched that explored this did the, like, deep dive. And they came out the other side of it pretty squeaky clean. Like, they did a good job of exploring all of the... Not all of, but several different experiences of adoption. And, like, what it was like for the child and the parents on many different sides. And that was um, 39, which was great. They did a great job with that. There were a couple of times where we like kind of had questions (laughs) where we were like, careful, buddy, hot, you're Uh you're touching a hot topic. But then they came out on the other side and it it was good. They did a really, really good job. Um, And then this feels like the opposite, right? Like where they're exploring exactly one side of adoption. It was an abusive scenario. It was incredibly problematic. 
And then their big twist on it is that the person who raised her is her biological mom anyway, who, like, has a lot of emotional issues and couldn't, like, be normal about being her mom, but picked her to, like, rise through the ranks of the corporate world as this, like, big scheme to marry her daughter off because backgrounds matter, except... That's really tough, because if you genuinely believe that, the background that you gave her was the temporary, unloved daughter of a corporate, dangerous corporate family. Like, that wasn't- that. that's so unbelievably- there's nothing permanent about that s- scenario where you're like, wow, now she's the daughter of a wealthy family. It's like, no, you made her- you made her, like, the business project of a wealthy family that they're ready to cut as soon as it doesn't serve them. So, like, you're either stupid or so out of your mind that you cannot connect with reality, like, the reality of your situation, which is, like, that's so much worse. Like, that's, she's so much worse for that because it took all of the nuance out of her character of, like, being caught between the love of her like the the love that she never wanted but but felt for this little girl that she took care of and raised and who she you know always was it took all of the nuance out of of their relationship and her relationship with like herself and and Choi Sung Un and the Ina group and everything that made her an interesting character it said actually no she is just a like she's just a shit person like she's just an absolute <laughs> shit person because that's like she like i said like she's she's out of her fucking mind yeah. is what she like it's like she doesn't make unreal. sense anymore yeah none of it makes sense it's that's why it's dumb and bad because it stopped yeah. making any rational sense the minute they were like also she's her mom and to your point earlier they had other adoptive storylines that they were like we might consider getting back to those we have yes. we even said freaking jung jiho's cousin is probably gonna come back and cause some trouble nope that's <laughs> he just shows up in one episode and is like hey cuz and jung jiho is like don't with me and that's it that is the only thing that we ever talk about with jung jiho being like my parents are both dead. They died when I was really young and I was adopted by my aunt. Like, brush his hands off. That's the storyline for him. We never yeah. talk about his adoption. We also get this little, this one tiny half scene with Jung Ji Hyun where she's like, I do pro bono work for kids who are adopted. And I thought that was going to turn into a thing. Like, forgive me for having hope for a minute for this show. But yeah, I thought they would do the 39 thing where some for some reason everybody in the show has some tie to adoption and is interested in adoption and the process and the kids and everything about it. There's so many aspects to adoption that are so interesting. And this show is like, we're going to take one, one aspect of adoption and we're going to ruin it. The weirdest one, like the most wild one where it's like, <laughs> like she was adopted by a company. 
Yeah. To be one of their products. And she never knew them. She never knew them or met them or was in the room with them until she was a grown-ass woman ready to be married off. The the absolutely unhinged <laughs> version of adoption. And they said, We're gonna we're gonna deep dive on this one, but then we're gonna make it her biological mom that set this entire thing up. It just, this whole thing maybe could have worked 20 years ago. Just picture this as like a 2003 drama, and I f- it feels better. It feels better. Yeah. 2023? 20? Yeah. Okay. One more complaint that has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, so I'm sorry to derail us, but it was the thing that made me think, like, why are they trying to pull this off as a 2023 drama? And it was when they finished episode... 13. The cliffhanger is Kong Hae Jin saying, I'm actually Kong Yu Jin, son oh of this God. giant company, and everybody just gasping and going, What? The whole economy is going to collapse. This is the craziest. I was like, Do people not have the internet? Yes. His face had to be plastered on every newspaper his entire life as this conglomerate family's son. Yeah. And then one day, his literal uncle <laughs> made a company, like CEO whatever, CEO Kang Jin, makes ha- his brother makes a company that only has one actor signed to it. Like, nobody has done this math. It's, and I know that, like, the, like there's not maybe, like, the deep pool of last names uh, in South Korea as there is in, um, in like, the States, for example. Like, there's not maybe, like, a vast... There, a lot of people share the same last name, even though they're not related in, uh, in South Korea. But that said, to your point, like, the, the name Kong is in... It's in the name of the, like, <laughs> talent agency that they create. Yeah. And the conglomerate. Oh, yeah. And the, they're related. So they're related. <laughs> and, like, the internet, that family tree is somewhere on the internet. Like, that's not just, like, the best kept secret. And so, like, no one actually cares if those two people are related. No one's like, we've got to keep this under wraps no matter what. Yeah. This is- so- But none of it makes sense. The, I don't know. Maybe it's just being in like K-pop fandoms and knowing w- how much people know. Yeah, <laughs> about people K-pop know. Stars. People know like what everyone's parents' jobs are of like K-pop stars. They're like, oh yeah, because so and so like was raised in a wealthy family, but so and so actually like absolutely wasn't, and like they take care of like they're the breadwinner for their family, and so and so like is and did it like everyone knows. Everyone's fucking business, and there's the internet, and like, there, yes, like one hundred percent. There's no way that no, that it was like the best kept idol secret of all time because th- that just because no one would care that much. Even if he was trying to like make a name for himself, I feel like once he made the name for himself, he could kind of be like, uh, like someone's gonna find that out. They're gonna be like, oh, who is this guy? Oh, it's this guy's nephew. Oh, that guy is that that person's brother. Obviously, it's this like not hard. It's not hard. They did not separate that family tree enough for anyone 
to not immediately figure out who Kong Hae Jin actually was. So it's bizarre that they try to be like, that's the actual cliffhanger for this episode. People are shook. I don't, like, yes, give us the scene where he goes on a blind date and the girl is, like, psychotic and says, we're gonna have babies that have your face and my personality. That's funny crazy. Don't give us the scene where he holds a press conference and is like, I'm gonna hold back tears while I say this. My real name is Kong Yu Jin. That's weird funny. Because you you think we don't know? You think we don't think that people in this false world know that? He just insulted every person's intelligence. Every <laughs> single person. It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that was... These two episodes were such a ride. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we ever went a single episode of our podcast that we're talking about love is loving contract without saying that Wu Guangnam is... There no notes. Perfection. The only (laughs) storyline. This is the only story... Every scene he's in is... I've I've said it every single episode, and I'll say it, it for the final few that we have going. Every scene he's in is better because he's there. The actor is outstanding. The character couldn't be better written. I love that he's getting such a, like, three-dimensional storyline where he got to kind of find his calling by accident in a way that has nothing to do with anything other than him being, like, talented and amazing and making, like, making close, like, interpersonal relationships with people that like allow him to thrive because there's no one who doesn't meet him that isn't like he's perfect except his sisters so i have okay two things and then and then i will let you go but um one how did you feel when he announced that he was probably leaving the country for good um i honestly it's tough because like if the show was supposed to keep going without him i would be like well, that's the end of the show. <laughs> um, Fair, yeah. But that said, I'm so stoked because so much of his life was dependent on whatever uh, Choi Sung-un was doing. And I'm so stoked that he's making this decision um, for himself that that's still the right move for him. That that's, that's what he needs to do and wants to be doing. And like, it's not an impulsive decision. It was always the plan. But now the plan is completely dependent on his wants and needs and not just if Choi Sung-un will be there to help like pay the way it's like it's he's doing it himself and I I love his storyline so it like it makes me sad because obviously I want best friends to be together always and I love them and it always makes me sad to think about best friends having to be so far apart because I know from experience how hard that is but I also, um, yeah, when he announced that he was still leaving the country, I was like, fuck yeah, get it. Yeah! Okay, me too. I think there was like a sigh of relief where I, it seemed like it was supposed to be a sad thing. But I was like, no, I feel nothing but joy for this man. This is best case scenario for his finale. Mm-hmm. I was okay, going to go be talented. Yeah! going to go be talented in another country. And he's... Setting setting Choi Sung Un up for success, giving her sex talks before he goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Birds and the bees with hey, uh, Wu Guangnam. <laughs> you guys, what are you doing? 
<laughs> oh, so good. Okay, that was not my second thing, but yes, I love. Oh, I didn't. It felt weird that it was like this very long scene where it's clearly just her getting like horny and being like, "I'm into sex now." Like that's great. I that wasn't yeah. the weird part. That's perfect. Um, but then having the cliffhanger be Jung Ji Ho almost crying as he's saying, I love you so much. I want to be with you forever. Like, it's two perfect things that just don't mesh together. And I wish they hadn't been juxtaposed. Like, I wanted her to get her dream of like, we're going to have a hot steamy night together. And I want him to get his dream of like, this is intimate in a very different way. It is two, two people saying that they love each other for the first time. And maybe this is another proposal, but this is me showing for the first time with my words how much I love you. It was just two different vibes for the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that for some people that is like somewhat the same thing. Like you can't have one without the other, which is fine. It was just like how they were placed together. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It was just the vibe of one thing and the other felt not not the same vibe yeah (laughs) it was just not quite right and it was funny but um okay second thing i was gonna say i wrote a spin-off for gu guangnam where he does take up the contract with kang heijin's agency he is like i'll take his place yeah for sure but he does it in three years time when he comes back to korea with his husband who he married abroad because I don't know if gay marriage is legal in South Korea. My my guess is it's not, unfortunately. We could Google that. But I just want... I want him to become a star again so that he can, like, change the tide for gay rights in Korea. But I also would just love if he had someone by his side while he did that. If he didn't have to do that fight alone. I agree. Sorry, I'm I'm looking up if no, same-sex marriage you. is legal. You're doing the research I should have done. Um. Oh, interesting. Okay, so according to this article at hrw.org, South Korea recognizes equal benefits for same-sex couple. So there's been that. Uh, this week, a South Korean court ruled that a same-sex couple should receive the same benefits as different-sex couples through the National Health Insurance Service. So that doesn't super answer the question, um, but that's great news. Uh, It should have been that way. This is from 2023, unfortunately. Probably should have been from a lot earlier. Uh, But progress, I guess. Well, we'll take it. I I mean, as Americans, we can't point fingers. (laughs) At this point, yeah, we're approaching some pretty terrifying situations against the LGBTQ community, (laughs) specifically trans people in our country. So who am I to throw stones at anyone's freaking legal system? We are living in The Handmaid's Tale and going like, everyone else should be better. Like, no, (laughs) you should be better. I guess I just have higher standards for everyone else because at this point I'm used to the dumpster fire that is our situation. I'm just, we live it. And so in my mind, I'm like, there's got to be somewhere that's doing it right. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be other people can't possibly be this cruel and... (laughs) And awful. And, you know, 
We're all on our own journey, I guess. Come on. <laughs> Everywhere is ma- just progress. Come on, guys. Um, okay, but anyways, I want Wu Guangnam to be a leader and change change everything for the better. And whether he does that in Canada or Korea, or maybe just come to America, we'd freaking love you. I just want him to be happy. And I feel like we're yeah. moving towards a happy ending for him, so I don't care what else happens. Yep, as long as Wu Guangnam is happy, I'm happy. <laughs> she says after an hour rant about... Storylines. <laughs> Ignore the rest of the podcast. Just remember this final message. We love Wu Gong Nam. Okay. Um, let's do a speed sign off because I have to go to school. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find our website with Lots of fun stuff like affiliates, our newsletter, or all of our past episodes at playonk.com. Yeah. Uh, we also have um, wherever you listen to us, wherever you listen to us, if you rate, review, or subscribe, that really helps other K drama podcast listeners find us. We love it. We also, we, we, we do love it. We read every review and it means so much to us. And we have a Patreon. If you want to take that extra step to support our podcast, we are on patreon.com slash playonk. Yeah. And then um, what else do we still need to do? The We're socials? Do- socials. Yeah. Yeah. You got you got this. <laughs> socials media. Twitter <laughs> at playonk. Instagram at playonk podcast. And TikTok at playonk underscore Emily. And we use... None of them. So just <laughs> I'm sorry. We just don't. We suck at that. This is this is why we it's just you and us, uh, like five listeners that hang out with us every week. <laughs> it's just you and us. And that's kind of fine with me. I've only ever had wonderful experiences with our wonderful listeners. But that said, we maybe if we get active on socials more people will be like what's this but if you guys want to find us on socials that's where we're at yeah thank you as always for listening and we will see you next week for the finale of love and contract yeah okay bye okay bye bye bye